Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Got an interesting email this morning from a woman, Christine Duff, about parenting a child with autism and the autism diagnosis. And I want to hear from everybody today who might have a child with an autism diagnosis. My, my daughter had dyspraxia, and I always remember how difficult that can be to deal with sometimes as well, but from an educational point of view, apart from anything else, and behavioural point of view too. Thankfully, my daughter's now 20 and certainly doing extremely well in life. But in saying that, you know, it can be difficult for a parent because it's the unknown and it's dealing with unknown problems and something that you don't see maybe, you know, your friend has a child and why isn't my child behaving the way their child is behaving? And every child behaves differently. So it's dealing with it and how to deal with those problems that you come across in a day-to-day life. And I want to know how you deal with it. Maybe you have a child with autism. Maybe you have autism yourself. How do you deal with it? How do you take precautions? How do you prevent, you know, meltdowns and breakdowns and all that kind of stuff and those uh, the trials and tribulations that come with having a child with autism? Uh, the number is 087-188-008. I want you to text or WhatsApp now and let us know what it's like for you, you know, dealing with a child with autism. Maybe your experiences and the way you deal with it can help other people around the country. But Christine's wish is to help and highlight the education and awareness on autism through her experience with her 11-year-old son, as well as his autism. Christine was diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis and has a, as a single mother, she has made it her mission to highlight how living with labels can change I suppose, and I suppose we have to do what we can to live by the label, as she calls it. But she joins me on the air. Uh, Christine Duff, good afternoon to you. Hi, Neil. Thanks so much. How are you? Good, Christine. Now, I know you also had your TED Talk, uh, and I found it extremely interesting, by the way, to see, uh, you know, you, you, you describe how you want to see the world, how he sees the world and how your son sees the world. But let's let's go back a little bit in time, I suppose, when you first realised uh, that your son had autism and things were going to be drastically different as a parent for you. I mean, when did you first realise that? Um, he was quite young, I'll be honest with you, Niall, and I have a daughter as well who's a year and a half older, so naturally you would compare. Yeah. And when he was about 10 months old, what I noticed was his frustration. He was quite frustrated with um, anger. And I have like a little bridge tooth in my mouth and I always remember he got so angry because he didn't want to go back in his buggy that he headbutt me in with such force he actually knocked out the tooth. Oh no. Yeah. So even then it was like, okay, something's not different and it was um me thinking, right, what's going on? And um I suppose I was kinda naturally comparing and then watching and just yeah. seeing if he was doing things differently. Now he didn't talk till he was about two and a half, but when he started talking then oh my god he wouldn't shut up <laughs> <laughs> right okay it was um, it became yeah. it became obsessive then but oh, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I noticed in the TED talk you talk about when he was four and he you know yeah. the first real experience you know at 10 o'clock in the morning you you, you kind of sent him off to school uh, and yeah. you know you said your goodbyes and cried your eyes out probably like every single parent does at that first day, <laughs> that first day in school but then you got the dreaded call at 10 o'clock to come back yeah. to the school and what had he done <laughs> That, oh God, that happened for about a week. So he'd done a few different things. He had such um, strength in him. He lifted a table, you know, like just the yeah. regular kids' kids' table that would be in their preschool. Um, just all sorts of things like throwing things. And, so he upended uh, the table, turned it over. Now remembering he's only four, of course. Yeah, oh, flipped it. <laughs> flipped yeah. it completely, yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and you get that, and when you get that call, I suppose, from the school, you're always going, oh my God, what's he done now? You know, no, I get the, yeah, you get the, the lurchy feeling in your stomach. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is what you have to do. And so, Can you come um, to the school, please, Christine? Yeah. We have a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to remove your child now. <laughs> so you were thinking if he can flip a table at four, you're thinking, what's he going to be doing when he's 13 or 14 years of age? That's what you were thinking to yourself. Genuinely, yeah, it was my fear because, like, I, I was thinking into the future and I thought, well, well, you know, if he's bigger, stronger, taller, hormones are kicking in, you know, you don't want a big, aggressive teenager taking out their anger in a physical way on you or your home. Yeah, that of course. That was my, my thought. So, um, and obviously at the, at the time, the preschool, like, they didn't really know. So it was more so, like, his behaviour, his be- everything was his behaviour. We just didn't know. It was like, oh, he's... Because he was talking away, like, he appeared so normal, atypical, or whatever, you know, yeah. know, there's so many different labels for that as well. Yeah. So um, I used to collect him. It went on for about a week. And then on the kind of the last day, I kind of thought, right, I'm going to do a bit of reverse psychology here now. So I said it to him straight out. He was only four. And I just looked him in the eyes and I said, if you're going to be flipping tables and shouting and getting really cross with all your friends and teachers tomorrow, I said, the rules have changed and you actually have to stay in school for an extra few hours and I won't be able to collect you. And it was like the level of intelligence in his face at that age was frightening because he looked at me with a look of, oh, my God, I've been caught. <laughs> I've been, the game's up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, and like that's, that's what worked for me. I'm not condoning that that's what people... See, autism, know. people <laughs> misconstrued yeah. autism, you know, and there are many different uh, variations under the umbrella, the term of autism. Mm-hmm. But people misconstrued it as, as, you know, a child not being normal or being abnormal. Yeah. And it's not. It's just a child whose brain works very differently. In other words, exactly. they focus on one particular thing or they, and they're probably exceptional at what they focus on. I mean, if you look at the, some of the most famous people in the world, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they have Mark Zuckerberg, of course, from Facebook, yeah. has autism. Um, what's your man's name That's from Tesla? Brandon, the the richest person in the world. What's his name from Tesla again? Uh, yeah. um, oh, sorry, Jeff. No. Temple, Temple Grandin, she's uh, another one. He's got... Elon Musk, one of the richest men in the world, yeah. he has severe autism uh, and, yeah. and he owns Tesla. I mean, and you talk about, you know, and when you mention PDAs, of course, I did think of public displays of affection. Mm-hmm. But you talk about this thing called pathological demand avoidance. Yeah. What is that? So basically, now I have my mom to thank for this because, I'm, you know, the way like when you get it, when you when you when you know there's something not right, we naturally get out the phones and we Google. So even back then, I mean, he's, he's going to be 12 next year. So think back to 12 years ago, I was quite young. I was only 23. None of my friends had young children at the time. Um, so it was quite a lonely journey. There was you and know, as a single mom, you were on your own kind of in this. Yeah. In but some that's sense. Like, yeah. And, you know, it's. You know, like when you hear of autism, naturally, like the only um, the only awareness I had back then would be someone that was nonverbal, someone that had very little communication skills, you know, and had certain traits that would make it quite obvious that they were different. So when I was kind of researching and reading about it, we came across this label pathological demand avoidance, and it describes um, someone on the autism spectrum as being like Jekyll and Hyde. So they can absolutely like love and adore you one minute. Or they can be, you know, the most, we'll say, normal looking person in the room and interact and socially do everything that's required of them in any situation. But then... At the flick of a light switch. Yes. They can just erupt. Now, (laughs) I suppose my curiosity kicked in because I would have come across this in adults, you know, and kind of thought, God, you'd wonder, like I would wonder, is there, there's a missed connection between people even, we'll say, of your age, Niall, or my parents' age. Like, there's definitely um, less education around it. 
there was. Well, there is. See, I mean, in my day, I mean, you talk about always walking on eggshells, for example, with somebody every day and and trying to be in Mm -hmm. control. But in my day, you know, in school, you know, we called people with autism and the word it was used, the the, the slow learners. That's Mm -hmm. what, and that, because we we didn't have an understanding of what autism really was. We didn't have a great understanding of how to diagnose people and how to treat people differently and how to educate people differently who had different needs. So we didn't understand it. And anybody who just couldn't keep up was called a slow learner. And you were just kind of discarded. Now we have a much better understanding of it. But some of the adventures that you've had and you talk about in your meltdowns, (laughs) and one in particular, which I thought was funny, was he wanted to go to A&E. Tell us why you ended up in A&E with him on a couple of occasions, but one in particular. I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget that. It was the August weekend and we spent a whole day at like a farm with friends and we were, you know, you got home, we were were exhausted, chilling out, and the next minute he just said, Mom, I'm after swallowing um, a Kinder Egg toy. And I just went, oh, Jesus. I, I know I didn't see him swallowing it, so I just thought, right, Stay calm, because if I panic, he's going to panic. So right. I said to him, right, we'll, um, we'll, ring, we'll ring the hospital and see what they recommend. So they recommended to bring him in. They said, look, is he choking? Is he showing signs of distress? I said, no. And, you know, I was getting him to drink milk, eat bread. I was like, well, just flush it out of him. It <laughs> yeah, it'll come out grand. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to the hospital anyway, and I'll never forget it. There was two little kids there, and one little girl had swallowed a coin. So she was chatting to him. She says, I'm here because I swallowed a penny. <laughs> there was another boy. It's said, almost like a novelty out. factor to them. Oh but go on, God. yeah. Yeah, like and kids shoving kids. peas up their nose and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was another child with a tic-tac up his nose, and they were having great tacks. So I just thought, <laughs> and that moment I kind of thought okay I'm not alone this this is normal parenting there's nothing yeah. wrong here <laughs> swallowing a kinder egg tie is quite normal <laughs> I assume go on oh my god but at that age you know he had such intelligence like he was able to talk all about different parts of the body like you know the wiggly thing in the back of your throat he was like oh that's called your uvula yeah. and you know there's the iris in your eye and he was having the chat with the doctors like an old man right. so we had the x-ray and they couldn't see anything they said look if he did swallow it it would have digested because if it was a bit of plastic sometimes the acid in your stomach would well, melt it yeah 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 whatever yeah so ground got keep, home keep an eye on him over the next couple of days yeah, when he passes it yeah that's it. So we got home. There was no panic, and they were sitting down on the couch. And I, I just happened to pick up the blanket and give it a shake. And he just went, "Oh, there is the Kinder Egg toy. I thought he swallowed. Actually, <laughs> Mom, I didn't swallow it." So he knew it. he didn't swallow it. He, no. he so he, your your <laughs> thoughts on this was he's clever enough to know that he didn't actually swallow it at all, and he just yeah. wanted to go and see how an X ray worked. He wanted to see a picture of his inside. I <laughs> thought that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because no, you were probably be terrified out of your wits as a parent. Is he going to die? <laughs> you know, like, at that stage, I'd gone through so many trips and, and things that I just thought, oh God, like, you know, what next? Yeah. And, and you <laughs> talk about him as being a funny guy, but sometimes you say yeah. his humour is quite questionable. Oh God, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I did say that in the TED Talk as well. Um, he drew a picture one time in, in he was only in second class. And I don't know if you're familiar, but at that age, they're really well into reading comic books and Captain, or what is it, Captain Underpants, I think. Yeah, yeah, that, I remember that, my own son, he used to love the Captain yeah. Underpants books, yeah. So my son's classroom was right next to the room where the photocopier was, so he was notorious for opening the drawer, taking bundles of A4 paper and bringing them home and doing loads of drawings. So, because he thought, well, you know, they're free. It's part of the school. I'm yeah. them, so, no, Why not, sure? Yeah. yeah, but he, he did draw a picture one day and it was um, it was a picture of a pair of cheeks. And one of the, there was another kid in the class. Not the cheeks said, in your oh. face, by the way, just to point out. Yeah, 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 yeah the other yeah, cheeks. The, the other cheeks that you sit on. Yeah. 
So he'd left that very detailed graphic picture on the teacher's desk and she wasn't a bit pleased naturally. But he thought it was hilarious. Did you get a phone so, call? Oh God, I got called in, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm <laughs> friends with all the You're teachers. on standby. <laughs> Your phone is on standby all the time. Go on, yeah. Um, and that, like, you know, and to kind of remove the humorous side there for a second, like, that is the reality of it. And for yeah. a lot of people, like, you, you, you could be in work and, you know, you have to be on standby for that phone call. I don't know how many times I've been in work over the years and the phone would ring or the work phone would ring and it's like, um, you know, we need to have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and do you do you get the meltdowns in the supermarket and those that those kind of things? Um, no, you see, what I did was when he was quite small, when he was about five, I really thought he was going to get um, expelled from primary school because within the space of a few weeks, he'd pulled a fire extinguisher off a wall. He had changed the code on the door and locked a teacher out of the school. Um, and it takes a bit had, of intelligence to do that at five years of age, by the way. Oh, God, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, completely. He's through took a teacher's laptop and threw it because he just oh, that's, wanted to yeah, okay. Yeah, like things, like there was no level See, some, of some parts of that you can see as being focused and being intelligent and being above mm-hmm. average intelligence where other oh, parts yeah. you just talk about being bad behaviour. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the bad behaviour you want to get rid of and focus on the other stuff. I suppose with autism and with the different facets of autism, it's learning how to understand them, learning how to deal with them and learning how to control them. Isn't it? That's really what it's about, isn't it? And it's, yeah, and it's learning to identify, okay, is this an actual meltdown or is it is it just bad behaviour that he's cunningly able to use? Because as he's grown now, I mean, he's a great little character. Like, you get great laugh off him. He's very funny. But um, with the with therapies and stuff, you know, there, there's so many therapies available. But if, like, in my own experience, if you're to be waiting for, we'll say, the public system to assist you, it's quite stressful. Well, CAMs can take a while to deal with a child or see a child. And I know the waiting lists are mental yeah. around the country and other people it's go to CAMs. Massive. And, and, then, um, and then as they get older, I mean, even now at this age, um, the likes of Jigsaw won't touch him because he's not turned 12. They have to be 12. And if they're going through any sort of like things that are... Yeah, my own daughter you know, went to Jigsaw and Jigsaw, I have to say, yeah. it's a wonderful service as well. But again, it is restricted, yeah. you know. That's it. So there's, so there's all these conditions. So I found there was always kind of road blockages with needing assistance and then you're, you're on a waiting list. And, you know, I'm kind of a go-getter in the sense that right, if I want something done, I want it done now. <laughs> so, and how does he how um, does he get on socially, say, with kids of his age group, for example? I mean, does he get on okay with them or have they identified does. that um, he's a little bit different maybe? I mean, how how does that work for, for him? So I'm very lucky with the school that he's in. And another thing is that, like, he's in an all-Irish speaking school and, you know, typically children on, the, on, on a spectrum are exempt, are, yeah. They're exempt. And I just thought, well, you know, why? Why take that opportunity away from him if he's going to be able to do it? I know he's well able. Now he does. He does criticise me quite a lot, and he's like, "Why did you send me to an Irish school?" But he's well able to do it, and he always gets good feedback. So it's look. Each child is individual, and each child is different. So you're going to know your own child. But I would always say, give them the chance. Don't just say, "Oh, he can't do Irish because um, nationally we're told they they need to be exempt." Like, give still give them the opportunity. Yeah, and, and, and I do want to say, by the way, you were talking about your own experience with your own 11-year-old child. Every child with autism is Absolutely. different. And they're all different. And there are so many, so many different um, um, yeah. types of autism, just like personalities. We all have different individual personalities, things that we're good at, that we're not good at. So this is just my own individual story I can talk about. Yeah, and of and course, I mean, you, you've had your own challenges too because you, obviously you were diagnosed with MS too, which, you know, obviously is yeah. another complication in, in that story too. 
Absolutely. I mean, and even at the time, I just thought, oh my, oh my God, like, I don't have time for this. You're quite, you're <laughs> no. quite young, by the way, Christine, to be diagnosed uh, yeah. with MS. Um, that must have been yeah. like a bombshell to you. Oh, it was just an absolute curveball. It was like, really? like In the middle of all so, this, you're so, going to tell me I have yeah. MS as well? Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like, right, bring it on. So that was that was two and a half years ago. Um, and even with that, like the diagnosis of that was, um, I would say it, definitely stress can bring things like that out of you. I would yeah. say that's, again, my own experience. Like, you know, so when I was diagnosed with it, it was my hands had come at me. And basically the only way I can describe it, it was like um, this buzzing, numb feeling in my hands that, you know, like if you hold a blender, yeah. Like that feeling, it's like that was going through my hands and I would have done anything to stop it. I mean, anything. But I presented myself to the hospital twice in the space of a week and each time they said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. Yeah, grand, yeah. Psychological. Grand, yeah. So um, eventually when I did, um, again, being persistent, I went off and got an MRI done myself, demanded a letter from the doctor and got seen and it was, I, you know, I was like the child. Then I was like, see, I told you so. I knew there was something. <laughs> <laughs> I know my own body. <laughs> so, I mean, but I'm assuming that the long-term diagnosis, hopefully you're not feeling too many of the effects or symptoms of that at the moment at a young age. Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, the feeling in my hands um, had eased off within a couple of weeks and um, going back to the time I was diagnosed, it was, a, it was Monday, the 1st of July, I was in hospital and my biggest worry was I was going to Lanzarote on Friday. Would I get on holidays? <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how shallow we become when it comes to holidays. No, yeah, if I, I, just, like, I, if I, I mean, I went through that phase when I was about 40. You know that phase where you think you're going to yeah. die? And I was, yeah. I, I was always like, if I could just get to this next holiday, I'd be grand after. I could do whatever happens to me yeah. after that. I don't care. If I could just get to Christmas. <laughs> just, like, yes, I'm setting goals for yourself. But, but getting back to, to, to children with autism. And, yeah. and you talk about your child being a master manipulator. And I'm sure most parents with yeah. children with autism autism will know exactly what you're talking about there. What advice would you give to parents around the country who have maybe a young child, a little bit younger than your child, and, and they're, they're facing this world of, oh my God, I'm now going to have to deal with a child who's going to be mm-hmm. turning tables upside down, embarrassing me at get-togethers, you know, and having to deal with it. what comes with autism. What advice would you give to them? So, from experience, we went down the route of alternative therapies. And by alternative, I mean we work very closely with um, a therapist that does cranial sacral therapy. Okay. So, that's what's worked for us. That's one experience. And what, what does that involve, by the way, Christine? Um, the only way I can describe it now is when I see him getting, like I'm in the room with him for the therapy. Now, are you familiar with the likes of Reiki and kinesiology? And these yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'm familiar yeah. with them. I don't know if I have a huge amount of faith in them, but I yeah. am familiar with them. Yeah, that's it. So again, like, I mean, unless you've had it done or you've witnessed it. Or you've yeah, different strokes for different you know, folks. You know, things, absolutely. different things work for different people. So he start, we started bringing him there um, at the time that I thought he was going to get expelled from school. And it was the summertime. And when he went back to school in September, he'd had three sessions and I remember the school actually had said to me, what did you do? Like, you know, had you, had you been medicated? Like, what, what have you done? And that was the only thing we'd started doing. So, as And had you ever been suggested that you medicate him with Ritalin or whatever what it happened to be? Because I would, no. personally, I would never go down that road myself. Some parents no, do. No, it hasn't. No, it yeah. hasn't, it hasn't uh, been suggested to me, but we haven't had yeah. any, we'll say, um, any... Uh, appointments with people to suggest that either. So Good. Okay. Well, no. I, 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 I always believed my parents. Now, as I say, different people have different experiences, but I mm-hmm. always believed that was a last resort to go down oh, yeah. the road of medication, particularly with a child. 
Now, I wouldn't, again, like every every case is different and, you know, there yeah. are people that do have to do it and that's completely acceptable. You know, again, yeah. like we said, every person is different. So, um, yeah, it's the cranial therapy. And then I would work an awful lot myself with feelings and I went back, after I was diagnosed with CMS, I jumped straight back into college to do life coaching. So I'd done my diploma in life coaching and a lot of that then I found helped me understand myself better, helped me understand my family dynamics better, helped me realise, you know, the calmer and the more relaxed I am in myself and my body, then the easier it is for my son to be expressive and, you know, feel safe in his body. So I would say meltdowns, they're, they're a form of not feeling safe, no matter whether it's an adult or a child having a meltdown, whether you're autistic or not, it's a feeling of not feel, feeling safe. So safety is a priority. And when someone can feel safe in their own body and their own environment to express themselves, I believe that the reduction of meltdowns or eruptions would be reduced. I, I mean, I mean, I want to read this message out. I think it's important that I read this out. And again, to, to point out that everybody has different experiences Absolutely. when it comes to autism and every child is different, you know, and yeah. some have it more severe than others. And it says, hi, Niall, can I just say that I don't agree with you minimising the impact of autism on some children. My nearly 12-year-old is still a nappy, still only drinks baby formula, has no safety awareness and needs 24-hour care. He cannot communicate his fear, pains, wants, um, and doesn't sleep. He is a beautiful boy, but functioning at only about 18 months obviously his cognitive age it would be 18 months Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of children who are so profoundly affected by autism he has been in with uh, OT physio speech and language behaviour support and special school since he was 3 and CAMS since he was 10 Uh, I would love for him to be able to uh, love independently uh, but it uh, will not happen Uh, the spectrum is too wide Uh, can I also add I have an older son uh, with autism and dyspraxia who is a mainstream and doing well and yes of course every child and yeah. again I, I know I've pointed that out a few and times during, every child is different you know and, and some yeah. have it more extreme than other obviously you're not uh, you know your son is not a, a, on the extreme end of the, of the spectrum it's more so his behaviour rather than you know the things he does day to day like you can imagine what it would be like with a 12 year old who's still in nappies and on a baby formula that would be so difficult so difficult and you know and as we said like every single person has a different individual case and it is quite difficult you know because like I said when I first heard the word autism I didn't know what to think I didn't know what life held for us future wise and and then as we hear like the likes of Einstein and all these people they were on spectrum so yeah there is you know there's the higher level and there's you know there's so many different levels but, and I can only talk from my own experience and give the advice and guidance of what's worked for me and my family and hopefully, you know, someone in, in a similar situation with a child that they might think, right, their behaviour is a little bit different. And, like, I've, I've come across people since the TED Talk has been gone, has gone out on YouTube. I've come across a lot of people messaging me saying that they've, like, a penny has dropped in their life for their teenagers, a lot of teenagers that would have displayed a lot of symptoms of what I've described with the Jekyll and Hyde personality. And they've actually gone and either gone gone and got assessments or gone down the route of trying different therapies. Like, I mentioned the cranial therapy. Um, kinesiology is another therapy. And, See, um, I, I think what's important is, and, and those therapies, some therapies can work for children because there can be calming effects on children absolutely. as well. They have calming effects on them. I think what's important to point out is, you know, obviously with the exception of those children who have autism to the extreme or extremely autistic, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we've read that message out from that woman that went to a very difficult time or was going through a very difficult time with her child. And that can be the, the extreme. 
But generally speaking, a lot of children with autism can have behavioural issues. And, yeah. you know, when we look at, we're all different. And, and I yeah. hate to hear the words, I know you mentioned it earlier on, and I know you didn't mean it in any negative way, the word normal being used or normal behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And I always wonder, what is normal behaviour? No, I mean, yeah, I we're all a little bit crazy <laughs> in our own little way. I mean, we were talking about this earlier on before you come on and before we come on air, myself and Ashling, And, you know, Ashling, for example, and myself, I, I find it very difficult to they give out to me all the time because I'm very unfocused when I'm outside uh, because they're always trying to get my attention. They go, Niall, 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 because I'm looking at my phone or I'm doing something else or I'm watching the television or I won't sit down. They give out to me because they won't sit down. I have to be walking around all the time. Ashling, you know, is always, I slag her all the time because she's always saying, nobody's listening to me. Why is nobody listening to me? And so we all have our own little traits, I suppose, yeah. of things. And if we were to examine all our behaviour, I suppose you mentioned in the TED Talk, don't just dismiss the person that you think is being rude and has walked away from you or the person who's angry or the person you think might be a narcissist yeah. or whatever it is, that sometimes those people can have elements as well of autism too. And we all have traits of it in different sorts of ways. And I don't want to minimise and for that person who was listening, yeah. certainly what autism is. But we all have little traits and different different behaviours that we have to accept. Yeah, and that that's, you know, that is very true. And that's where, you know, it's almost like a grey area or a red tape area. You don't want to say like, oh, I think that person's autistic because they've done this, this and this. Like that, Jesus, that would get you in the height of trouble. <laughs> but, yeah, of course. Yes, absolutely. But, but it is understanding people's, rather than writing people off, and sometimes when you hear a child has autism, you know, you, you, you tend to say, oh, sure, they won't do well in school and all that kind of stuff, which is completely yeah. untrue. It's quite the opposite, that people sometimes on the spectrum of autism can do extremely well. They can flourish if they're encouraged and if they're helped. And that, yeah, that's it. If they're given the if they're given the right guidance, the right tools, and I honestly, I would be lost without his school. They're so supportive. Like I didn't know he could play music. He can play the keyboard from ear. He can play any song because one of the teachers took him out one day and just played "Happy Birthday" on the keyboard, and he instantly picked up on how to do mm, it. Absolutely fascinating. Well, look, it's been wonderful talking to you. Some of the text coming in. Someone says, "Now that lady sounds like a warrior." Please tell her she's an amazing person. Of course, because you're dealing with your own issues too, with multiple cirrhosis, and also dealing with your son as well and his behavioural issues, and obviously, you know, in- encouraging him to do well. Well, look, I wish you and your son uh, good luck in the future, uh, Christine. And thanks very much indeed for coming on the air. I'm sure you're a bit of an inspiration to other people around the country who think, "Well, I'm not on my own now." You know? Well, that's it now. Is it okay to mention my Instagram page? Yeah, absolutely. Fire away. Bottom? Yes, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Perfect. So I have an Instagram page. It's Anchor Your Awareness and you can find me there and there's there's loads of videos and stuff up on it and um, it's just a daily daily post of what it, what we do and, you know, me spreading positivity. I feel like a fairy putting glitter out over Ireland. <laughs> yeah, okay. all, yeah. All negativity. <laughs> so, and thanks. And anyone who wants to watch the TED Talk, just type in uh, my name, Christine Joff, TED Talk, and it'll come up straight away. Well, what we do is, if you go to my Twitter account and our Facebook yeah. account as well, I'll put a link up there for people. So yeah. if you go to Niall underscore Boyle in our Twitter account, I'll put, I can actually put a link up there to both the TED Talk and your page there on Instagram as well. All right. Brilliant. All Brilliant. Right. Thanks Listen, so Christine, nice. thanks very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on the air. Um, loads of other people, by the way, texting. Somebody says, uh, Niall, that woman sounds amazing. Um, uh, somebody else says, Niall, wonderful to listen to somebody else. I'm in exactly the same situation with my own daughter. It's difficult to deal with, but as days go by, you get used to dealing with it and you can handle it in different ways uh, absolutely and as I said every single case of autism is a little bit different and every child is different as well in the way they deal with it and the way you deal with it and some child's obviously, children obviously have it to more extreme and it can be a lot more difficult to deal with uh, keep texting keep whatsapping numbers 87 188 
I want to hear your experience. If you have a child with autism or under the spectrum of autism, I mean, how has your experience been? Some are worse than others and it can be very difficult and very frustrating and stressful as a parent to watch the child you love dealing, you know, having meltdowns or whatever it happens to be or, you know, or not being able to do certain tasks that you see other children doing and you get very frustrated and upset by that. Uh, what's it like? The number is 87 So many parents, by the way, texting us in at the moment and WhatsApping in with their personal experiences with having children with autism and Tracy, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Tracy? Hi, yeah. How are you doing? You have your own experience uh, with your son who's 12 years of age. Yeah. And, and how right. has that been? That's been difficult for you. Well, I had uh, I had Dylan in two thousand and nine. Yeah. Um. I found out I had breast cancer myself, cold stage breast cancer, when he was eight months old. So. And um, at two years and eleven months, he was diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. He's borderline autism with an intellectual disability. Yeah. And his like IQ would be higher than a child is average at his age, like. But see, what was difficult for you is you went through a stage where you were dealing with your own diagnosis with breast cancer. And I'm sorry to hear that, by the way. And that's, that's it wasn't just the once, by the way, it was twice that you were dealing with yeah, that, that situation. That I, was uh, October last year up to February then. I had a mastectomy. Okay. A mastectomy. So, uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, and how are you feeling now, by the way, yourself? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, well recovered. Okay, you weathered the storm, so to speak. But I mean, look, that yeah, had a huge psychological it. effect on you at the time. I, I imagine yeah. it was so difficult, and still to this yeah. day, probably. And then you have to deal with your son as well, and yeah, and his and behaviour issues. Parent, like I brought him up on my own, like yeah, you know. And well, I well done to you, by the way. Give yourself a pat on the back because you certainly deserve it. Because it's not that, <laughs> not easy to do, is it, to deal with your own issues and deal with him at the same time. And his issues. No, well, uh, people do say that to me as well. Like, you know, he's such a lovely kid and I've brought him up well and yeah. get him to where he is now, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so he's 12 years of age now and how is he now? Well, he when he was diagnosed, he wasn't putting two words together, like, you know, so now he would buy and sell you. <laughs> right, okay. So, and, and and what was it? I mean, did, did he have, um, when, when you talk about, was that a kind of selective mutism that he had at the time? It was, sorry. Where, well, what they call that, I think, is in a selective mutism that he wouldn't talk. Yeah. 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 So but he, he got, he got, he got onto um, the way the he got onto uh, beach park services, and he had he was he, he started um, early early stage skill early, early years. You know the early yes. years. Yes. Early years intervention. Yeah. 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 Um, he started that in uh, Donny Carney, and he was in the autism unit. Like when he went to primary school, like the primary school itself, he was in the autism unit and he goes to mainstream as well. Like, okay, but he just thrived on, like, he, he just progressed really well. I mean, well. and that's you know what I found that really important too with my own daughter as well is that keeping them in mainstream school as much as you possibly can, yeah. It, it keeps them, you know, because they have to try and keep up with everybody else. And yeah. I think that's good. It's a good challenge yeah, for them well, to do that. I have him in uh, Taekwondo. Now, ta- taekwondo is a, it's it, one for the special needs kids. Yeah. So that's in Ashbourne, like, on a Wednesday. And then he's in the mainstream, like, I, I am stage skill yeah. on a Thursday. Um, Bryce stage skill on a Thursday. And then he goes to, uh, he's gone to the teen strength and conditioning on a Friday. Okay. You know? So it's keeping so, him I mean, active, he, I suppose, and keeping him occupied. Yeah, and he's mixing with other kids, like, and he gets on great, like, so. 
you know, it's a, it's a step forward. He had a play there up in Ashbourne on last last weekend, and they performed in front of the uh, all the mummies and daddies and all. And there was no bother to him. And you must be very proud of him when you see him up there, because with the own, with his own challenges and how difficult it is for him, obviously overcoming and, and getting through his autism to do those yeah, things. Yeah. It, you must so, be very proud of him then to see him do yeah, those I things. Yeah, I am. You know, I mean, I know <laughs> this. Make me the proudest mother in the world. Put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, look, I can talk to you in the air all day about all the bad things that happen and, and the, the, the you know the breakdowns and meltdowns and the difficult times that you might yeah, have with do. him. Yeah, we do. We have our bad days. Of course you do. Days. Yeah, mostly good days. But the go- the, the, one or two good days. Good you, my You know, yeah sense of humour and he's a good kid like, you can't be down around him yeah you know if you were having a down day like say even one of my neighbours was having a down day and he came in and she said she just he just brightened up her day yeah you know yeah and did, um, did that help you by the way when you were going through your own challenges yeah. of breast cancer that must have helped you too then well the first time I had it like I had him to concentrate on so it kind of got me through my yeah, because it kind of it distracted uh, you, really I suppose. Yeah, everything like yeah, I had you know I didn't have time to dwell on it, so I had him to concentrate on. Yeah. So yeah, that got me through that, and then the second time, uh, he was older. Like you know, he knew I was he knew what I was going through, and you know I had to explain to him. But yeah. like he was pretty good about it, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, know, I, lovely, I, but that must have been difficult for you as a single mom as well. You know, it must have been very difficult for you when you were going through, you know, your treatment for breast cancer. Yeah. And then having to deal with the challenges with him as well. That that must have been yeah. very hard for you. Yeah. But now I have to say, he was good as gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like he knew my mom's not well, so I have to be good. And he helped me around the house and cleaning the, the hoover and, you know, carrying, you know, I couldn't carry shopping heavy stuff for, for so long and he done it for me, you know. Yeah. All the little things, you know, that he knew he had to help, but he did it, you know. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant to hear. Brilliant to hear. But look, yeah. I'm, I'm glad things are better for you and I'm glad things are better for him now as well. And Niall, I, he knew I was coming on to say hello to you. Would you mind saying hello to him? I, what's his name? Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, it's wonderful. And, and Dylan, by the way, fair play to you. You, you deserve a chap, a pat on the back for helping your mum when she went through a difficult time too. She needed Boy, you. No. Uh, it's lovely to talk to you, Dylan. Thanks. And you, and you know what? You're a wonderful guy because what's really important is when your mum went through a really, really hard time and she did go through a hard time that you were there for her too. And she's been there for you, so you've been there for her and I can feel the love between the two of you. Thank you. All right. And what, what, what class are you in in school now, Dylan? Are you back? Are you in secondary school now? Uh, yeah, but when uh, when I mean they're getting us for Facebook and all, like uh, say we can't go in and all that, like yeah, okay, you know I mean? okay, but you're doing well in school. Are you happy in school? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, you love drama, I believe. By the way. Yeah, yeah I do. Well, then, well, look, you focus on that. You could be very good. You never know. You could be the next aspiring and budding actor in the future. I should, yeah. I should. Okay. okay. Well, look, Dylan, take care of yourself and take care of your mum. All right. All right, thanks very see much. You. Tracy, thanks very much indeed for coming on and talking to us thanks today. Thanks very right? much, man. All right, see you, see you, Dylan. See you, thank Tracy. Bye. There you go, Tracy and Dylan. He's 12 years of age, and obviously she had her challenges to deal with Dylan, and Dylan has his challenges to help his mother as well, and the two of them, I think, supported each other very well.
<laughs> Pardon me. Keep texting. Keep WhatsApping. Numbers 087 Want to hear your stories. You know, as parents, we worry about our children. When I listen to Dylan and I listen to his mom there before the break there, Tracy as well. And Tracy went through her own problems being diagnosed twice with breast cancer and obviously have to go to treatment and everything else. And she talked about having a double mastectomy. And her child, who has autism, was there to help her. Dylan, what a wonderful young man, 12 years of age, has his own problems. Um, which will, by the way, benefit him probably later in life when he's very much focused on his drama. That's what he wants to do. You never know. We could see him in Hollywood, you know, in 10 or 15 years' time. You never know. But he was there for her too. And I listened particularly with a single parent, and we spoke to a single parent before, Christine, before that as well. You know, and you listen to the challenges they have in their own life. And we forget, you know, there's a person behind that child with autism that has to deal with that every day and has to encourage that child and help that child. So, you know, it can be difficult. And I want everybody to take a step back and understand what it's like to live with different elements of autism and by the way again some children are worse than others and I, I get that and I understand that uh, but some children are manageable and you can help them to flourish as well because as well about my own children we all worry about our children and I remember worrying about my son when he was a young man when he was only kind of uh, seven or eight years of age he couldn't spell very well so I had to take him to a specialist to learn him to, to, to teach him a different way he's now doing really well he's 24 years of age and gets paid more than I do so what I'm saying is it's worth it to focus on your child. Let me go to Joan. Joan, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Joan? Hello, Dyle. Joan, I mean, your son Larkin was diagnosed at the age of three. I mean, what was it like at that time when, when you noticed there was a kind of difference in his behaviour, I suppose, to the average child? Was that what it was? It was little things. Yeah. Like, he was very particular what he would eat. There was only certain foods he would eat. Mm. There was only certain clothes he would wear. He hated short sleeves. He hated going on swings. He hated getting his feet off the ground. It was just small things. And yeah. I was actually watching something on television one night. And it was about autism. And it was like a checklist. I could just check them off. You could tick all those boxes about the, the behaviour and the way he was feeling and, the, and how sensitive he, no he was. Speech. Yeah, yeah, he had no speech. The only way he could communicate was to cry. Okay. Everything so again, and, the, and this is what they call, they call it selective mutism. Um, which means he can talk but finds it difficult to express himself so he prefers not to and just doesn't. No, he, he actually had a language disorder as well. Right, okay. Um, so he would find language very difficult to understand. Right, okay. So you might as well have been talking any language. He couldn't understand it. That must have been very frustrating for him and for you as a parent. Oh, it was very frustrating because you had no way of knowing what he was trying to say to you. Yeah. So I, he was two at this stage, and I was told the fact that I had a daughter, I was expecting too much of a boy. The yeah. boys develop slower than girls. Yeah. So I wouldn't accept that. And different children, of course, develop differently as well. I mean, some children yeah. talk sooner than other children. Some children walk sooner than other children. We all expect those milestones to happen at a certain time, and we usually base that on our previous child or somebody else's child. But it doesn't always happen that way. No, um... And as I said, that programme I saw on television really brought it home to me that this wasn't just, you know, something small. So did you become um, proactive at that point then and start saying, OK, I need him to bring I him to people? fought with the world and his mother. Right. And I you were you went, you went to I your school, I suppose, looking for extra hours and... No, he was only two at this stage. Oh, he was OK. Only two and a half. So, um, I kept fighting and he was sent to a speech therapist. And I mentioned the word autism and she told me that uh, she didn't see it. And mm. I said, well, how do I rule it out? And she said, well, usually it's a psychologist that will diagnose it. But if you go to a psychiatrist, it's faster. I said, I don't care who you send me to. Send me to somebody. 
I was sent with the most amazing child psychologist or psychiatrist. She was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And she diagnosed him. And I will never forget the day she diagnosed him. I said, I can't cope with this. And she said, how do you mean? Oh, I said, I can't cope with it if you thought of them. And she said, but you're, aren't you? She said, you're bringing home the same child you brought in. Yeah. And after that, it didn't... Yeah, it's just a diagnosis. It's just a diagnosis. Yeah. It's still the same I child. Was, I thought it was the most amazing thing. OK, and I'm running a little bit short on time, Joan, and I do want to get to talk to Logan in a second. But before yeah. I do that, I mean, throughout his life, he's now 23 years of age. He's uh, absolutely amazing. And throughout his life, there's been challenges, I'm assuming. Lots oh, of yes. them. And what um, what were those challenges? Were, were they challenges in academia or were they challenges just in behaviour or what were the main all, challenges? In all aspects of it. All he, aspects. He cried, as I said, until eventually he did a thing called PEX that just opened up the whole world. To and what was it called again? PEX. Okay. It's picture exchange communication. Right. And once he did that, it opened the world. Schools were absolutely amazing. His education the whole way up. Right. Um, if you had told me then that he would do a junior cert to lose cert, I would have laughed at you. But he, he has did. now done two years in college. He has come out with a level six merit um, in um, media production. Wonderful. Uh, he's absolutely amazing and I couldn't be prouder of him. Okay, let's and talk to the man himself before before I go today because I've got two minutes here. Let me talk to the man himself. Lorcan, uh, who's also there too. Lorcan, hi, how are you? Hello, how are you? Well done. Congratulations to you, Lorcan, on getting your, your level six and your, your accreditations. You're doing really well in media, I believe, by the way. I am. Thank you. And what's what's the plan, Lorcan? What would you like to do when you leave college? Uh, I, well, I'm hoping to start like an animation studio at some point in the near future because I've loved animation and film and TV a lot throughout right. my my life. And and you were, uh, you were listening to your mom there and all the the challenge she had raising you, and you have a great understanding of that and how that was a challenge for her. Yeah. It was very difficult for a while, but thanks to my mom and my dad as well, yeah. they helped me out a lot, and I couldn't be grateful, more grateful to have such an amazing parents like them as well. And what advice would you give to other young boys and girls who are, you know, struggling with autism, maybe struggling through school, maybe at junior cert level, you know, 12, 13 years of age, going into secondary school, and they know they have those challenges because they may, have, they may be on the spectrum of autism. What advice would you give them? Some advice I would say is that it's going to happen regardless if you have autism or not. You know, the tough times in school and, you know, and everything else in life. But you shouldn't let that defy you. You shouldn't let autism, you know, defy your personality and everything else about you. It's Mm. only a part of you. And so embrace it. Yeah, embrace it because I've done the same. I embrace my autism and I'm more happy with it than being ashamed of it. Okay, and, and now, because of your autism as well, in some sense, because sometimes with autism and with the different traits of autism, you can be very focused on something and do really well at something. And we've seen that from some of the most famous people in the world. You now are obviously, you know, do, you're doing really well in college. You're focusing now on what you want to do, which is animation and media. And, and I think you will do well at it. I think you, I think we'll be looking at the next animator. You never know. Pixar could be looking at the next uh, team leader there. Yeah, it's very, you know, autism can really be creative when it, you find your particular interest. Your niche, so. absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, I wish you well, Lorcan, to you and your mom. Your mom is very proud of you, I'm sure, and I'm sure you're very proud of them as parents as well, your mom and dad as well. And I mm-hmm. wish you well, and I hope you do well. Thanks for joining us today. Okay.
Thank you. All right, there you go. There's Lorcan and uh, Joan. Well done to you both, by the way. And it just goes to show you some nice stories there we've had over the last hour. And I know, again, every story is different. Every child has its own challenges. Some are a lot worse than others. And, you know, you've heard there Lorcan, you know, who understands the challenges his mum and dad had raising him. And he's very focused on what he's doing now. And, you know, she didn't think he'd even make it to his leave, his junior cert. She didn't think he would even do the junior cert. And now look at him. He's doing really well and he has a future in animation. Hopefully that's what he wants to do. It's wonderful to hear those stories and to all the parents around there dealing uh, with children who have special needs or difficulties. Well done to you all because it's a difficult time, but you'll get through it. You will get through it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.